Welcome to the Hope City Church Podcast. We're so excited for you to listen along and hear this week's message. We pray it inspires and motivates and draws you closer to Jesus. Let's take a listen. And amen. Um, I got a message for you today. Um, you know, not a classic Thanksgiving message, but it's definitely a message that we are going to be able to give thanks to God for. Um, last Monday, uh, Jan and I were talking about something, and she just happened to make some comment as she was talking. I can't even remember what it was at this point, but something about God seeing people. And as soon as she made this comment, the Lord said to me that. He's like that. He's like that. That's what I want you to talk about on Sunday. And so we're going to look at a story together. We're going to look at a couple of scriptures talking about um, how God is the God who sees you. And I believe there is somebody here in this place today or somebody's or maybe all of us that need to be reminded that God both sees us and he hears us and that he cares about you and he cares what you're going through, that you're not struggling through life alone or with your spouse or with your family, that there is a God in heaven that hasn't turned his back on you, that he hasn't turned a blind eye to you and he hasn't closed his ears to you but that he is staring directly at you, making eye contact with you, and he is fully listening to what you are saying. Jen was talking about last night how uh, we were having um, Thanksgiving dinner, and we were, and we sat outside on our patio, and we have a beagle. We have two dogs. Praise Jesus for them. I'm just so thankful for our dogs. I love them with all of my heart, as you can tell from my emotive joy that is coming out of me as I speak of them. I am always trying. If anybody in this place would love... <laughs> That's another message for another day. Um, we were having... After dinner, we were sitting outside. Uh, the, the moon was coming out. We had our fire on. It was just great. And we had this dog, our, our beagle, and we were all sitting on these chairs... Like a, we have like a couch, what do, you, what do you call that thing, like a patio couch? Outdoor furniture, of course, as one would call it, outdoor furniture. We were sitting on our outdoor furniture, and our beagle comes and gets behind um, Jen. Like there's a space behind Jen, like where she's kind of like leaning forward on the chair, and our, our beagle comes and crawls behind her, and just like, because he feels like he deserves to be everywhere at all times. And so he crawls behind her and makes this room behind her and sits there. So Jen is sitting on the chair, like, leaning forward, talking to people. And our dog is sitting behind Jen on the couch, which, and he's, he's not really supposed to be on the furniture, but he's outside. And so he's sitting there, and he's, like, very proper, and he's, like, legs down, like, he's, he's sitting down, and his paws like this. And then whenever he's doing something he knows he's not supposed to be doing, and I'm around, yeah, he doesn't, if Jen's around, he doesn't care, he's like, it's a party, Jen's here, I can do whatever I want, but when I'm around, he's always very nervous, because I'm always telling him, you're not supposed to get off of that, quit eating that, put that down, go, go away, and so he's sitting there, and, and I'm talking to, um, I'm talking to somebody, and she's talking about how our dog stares like I do, and I look, I look at the dog, and the dog is sitting there like this, like not moving just staring and so me and this person are talking we're laughing about the dog staring and how he's staring like I stare and and I'm telling you this because my point is is that some of us need to remember that I feel like the Lord is in heaven staring at some of us 
actually all of us. That he hasn't forgot about you. That even though maybe we've forgotten about him, or maybe we're not staring at him all the time, the Lord is in heaven just fixing his gaze upon you. He's watching out for you. He's looking over you. He is staring at you like my weirdo dog, making weird eye contact, and he doesn't blink, and he doesn't look away. He's like frozen in time. But I tell you what, if you want anybody frozen in time staring at you, it's the Lord. Open your Bibles to 2 Chronicles chapter 16, and we're going to look at this verse real quick, and then we're going to jump over to Genesis chapter 16 and... um, uh, look at a story there. So 2 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9 is where we're going to start. And it says this to you. Jaden, is this the New Living Translation first, or which one is this? Okay, you think so. Okay, great. It says, The eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. This is 2 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9, isn't it? Uh, The eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. I'm going to read this to you in a few translations because I like looking at different translations, as should you. When you read the word of God, you should open different translations and see what the different translators pulled out of the scripture as they read it. But here it says, the eyes of the Lord, what are they doing? Searching the whole earth. God's eyes are searching the entire earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. God's in heaven looking around in order to strengthen us. Okay, now let's look at the ESV. The English Standard Version says the eyes of the Lord, this one says they run to and fro throughout the whole earth. Now listen, the whole earth. There's no place you can go and hide where God's not looking for you. You should be a whole lot more happier than that. God is looking for you. And his eyes are going all around the whole earth. And this one says, to give strong support. So the NLT, the New Living Translation said, his eyes are looking for you to strengthen you. This one says, to give you strong support. I don't have them on the screen here, but the New King James says, the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are loyal to him. Isn't that good? He wants to show himself strong. Then in the Amplified, it says, the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth so that he may support those. God wants to support you. God wants to strengthen you. He wants to show you his strength. He is looking around the earth, through the whole earth, this verse says, so that he can work and move on your behalf. God is looking at you. If you don't remember anything else from today, remember that the eyes of the Lord are upon you. Not to judge you, not to condemn you, Not to find all your faults and your failures, but to show you his strong support. To show you that he cares about you. To show you that you are on his mind. So he is looking at you to work and move on your behalf. Genesis chapter 16 is 
a story we're going to pick up in the middle of, at this point, Abram's life. Ten years before this, this story we're going to look at, ten years before, the Lord showed up to Abram and told him to, Abram, just in case you're wondering who Abram is, Abram is Abraham, okay? You guys know Father Abraham? He had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. And I am one of them. And so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. Right arm, left arm, right. <laughs> it's a super old school song we used to sing in kids' church. Um, so Abram, who becomes Abraham, 10 years previous to this chapter we're about to read, the Lord meets with them and says, hey, I want you to leave the land where you live. I want you to leave your family. I want you to get out of here. And he says, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make you a great nation. Uh, and, and I'm going to do these things in you and through you. I'm going to multiply you. And there's going to be so many descendants from you that they are not going to be able to be numbered like the sand on the shore or like the stars in the sky. So Abram gets up and packs up and moves away from his family. He begins to go on this journey that the Lord has called him to. And 10 years go by, and the Lord has reminded him a couple times of the promise that God said to him. Have you ever had to wait longer than five minutes for one of God's promises to you come to pass? Put, put up your hand so other people can see it. Good, good. I want to say to you, good that you had to wait. Because it's in the waiting when you really learn to trust in God. It's in the waiting when you learn how to have your faith tested, when you begin to walk in faith. If you got everything that God said to you right away, you wouldn't really have to have a lot of faith. If we had Mick Jesus, life would look a lot different. But the Lord spoke to Abram and said, I want you to do this. I'm going to work this through you, so you need to leave. And 10 years had gone by, and nothing had happened. Abram was still at this point, he was 85 years old, he had no kids of his own, and was beginning to wonder how the promises of God were going to come to pass. Because 85 is getting up there, right? I mean, like, if we're doing the math, 85 is no longer a spring chicken. And uh, I don't know what it was like back then, but I don't want to be having kids when I'm 85 years old today now. Do you? You want to have a kid when you're 85? Took you a really long time to respond to that. <laughs> uh, and so here we're going to pick up in chapter 16 of this story. And what's happening is Abram and his wife Sarai are beginning to talk about how they can take matters into their own hands and make God's promises come to pass for them. Have you ever been there? You ever said, Lord, you're just taking too long to work in my life, so I'm going to take matters into my own hands because you're not doing a good enough job and you're not doing this fast enough. I know you're probably waiting for a reason, but I'm going to go to work on my own behalf. And so, in Genesis chapter 16, verse 1, we're going to read through this chapter together, and I'm going to make a few points about this that I think are important. And as I read this, I want you to remember... That the Lord is wanting to say to somebody today that somebody needs to hear that God's eyes are upon you. That his ears are not deaf, that his ears are not closed, that he has not stopped listening to you, that he has not quit looking at you. That he cares about you, that he thinks about you, and he is wanting to work and to move to bring salvation on your behalf. Okay? So, Genesis chapter 16, verse 1, here we go. It says, Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had not been able to bear children for him, but she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. 
This is bad news. Here we go, guys. It's going to get bad. It's going downhill. So Sarai said to Abram, uh, God has prevented me from having children. So go in and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. Now, listen, just for context, this was a normal thing back then, okay? This is what they did. If they had servants, um, then Abram could go in and, and have sex, just with sex, have sex with his wife's servant, and it would be technically her child, okay? These are how they did things back then. And so um, Abram agrees with the proposal, and Sarah, so it says in verse 3, so Sarah, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian servant, and gave her to Abram as a wife. This happened 10 years after Abram had settled in the land of Canaan. Now, just a side note as we're reading this. In verse 2 here, Sarah's talking, and she says, the Lord has prevented me from having children. And you can only imagine the shame and the guilt and how she would feel about God came along and, and gave this great promise. God came along to Abram and said, I'm going to do this in you. I'm going to do this through you. And this is who you're going to be. And 10 years has gone by and there's been no fulfillment of that promise. And so Sarah begins to say, well, I seem to be the problem because obviously they're having sex trying to make God's promises come to pass, but something's not happening. And so Sarah, Sarah begins to say, then I must be the problem. I must be the one who's not able to do what God has said to do. So can you imagine the shame and the guilt and the burden that this woman must have been feeling? And so because of that shame and the guilt and the burden and, and the, the hopelessness, she says, I'm going to take matters into my own hand. I'm going I'm to help get this thing. Let's kickstart this project and let's get God working. And maybe we can just do what God wants to do, but we'll help him happen. Okay, so she goes and Abram goes in and sleeps with her. It says in verse 4, so Abram had sexual relations with Hagar and she became pregnant. Wow, that's how that works. In case you're wondering. But when Hagar knew she was pregnant, she began to treat her mistress, Sarai, with contempt. Then Sarai said to Abram, this is all your fault. <laughs> I, I love this part of the story. <laughs> because is this not like a typical relationship? Like this is how it works. How many times... Guys, how many times have you been in a situation where your wife says to do something, you do it, it goes poorly, and then your wife says, this is your fault. And you're saying, can I tell the grocery store story about the shopping cart? The nice version. <laughs> I'll add a nice touch. I'll put a nice one. Friday night. Friday night, we had to go to the superstore to go buy some groceries for dinner Saturday night. So uh, I'm a dude. I don't, when I go to the grocery store, uh, being a man, I just carry as much as I possibly can in my arms. I, I, don't, I don't get a cart. I don't get a basket. I'm that guy that you'll see walking around the store that you want to say, oh my gosh, dude, do you need help? Because you've got like a big bag of dog food and cases of this and that, and you're carrying it all, and it's going to fall at any second. And then when I get to the cash register, because now they've taken away our plastic bags, I have to balance it all out to the car and carry it like that too. I'm that guy. So as we're pulling into the grocery store, Jen's like, do you have a loony? I say, for what? Because it's 2022, and I don't carry change around with me anymore. And she says, do you have a loony? I said, for what? She says, for a shopping cart. I say, no. Okay, that was the end of the conversation. 
we go inside, and apparently there's a lot of stuff to grab, so we both grab baskets. Jen's, Jen's inside. I go up to her. I park the car because I always drop Jen off at the door, and then I go park the car. Then I walk inside. Jen's got a basket, and she's like, where's your basket? I was like, oh, I didn't know I needed one. So I went back and grabbed the basket. We're walking on the store. It's getting very heavy, and there's a lot of stuff in the basket. And suddenly, out of nowhere, we begin to talk about the no loony and the shopping cart. And it's my fault that we don't have a shopping cart. This is why I wanted a shopping cart. Why didn't you get a shopping cart? And I am so confused in this moment because we didn't have a real conversation about a shopping cart. We just talked about a loony. Do you have a loony? No. Okay. End of conversation. We're in the store. Things aren't going well. We're carrying a lot of stuff. And then comes out the phrase, this is why I wanted a shopping cart. What are we talking about right now? It was what? Heated fellowship. Heated fellowship. <laughs> we, we heard a man preaching and he was talking. And he wasn't talking about fighting with his wife. He said they were having heated fellowship. I was like, I like this. Heated fellowship. <laughs> so that's what's happening right here. Abram and Sarah. Sarah, um, Sarah said, go sleep with my servant. Get her pregnant. We'll have a kid. Abram says, okay. Goes in, sleeps with her, has a kid. She gets pregnant. And then Sarah says, this is your fault. She's not treating me right because she's pregnant because you did what I told you to do, and now it's your fault. And Abram says, what are we talking about? And so he says, she says, I put my servant into your arms, but now she's pregnant. She treats me wrong with contempt. The Lord will show who's wrong, you or me. Abram says, look, she's your servant. Deal with her as you see fit. Then Sarah treats Hagar so harshly that she finally runs away. So here we have Abram and Sarah having a fight. Sarah's um, servant, Hagar, is not treating her right because she's got, she's got pregnant and her master couldn't get pregnant. So she begins to treat her with contempt. She begins to look down on her. She begins to feel good about herself. I got pregnant when you couldn't get pregnant. Maybe I'm the one that the promise that God gave to Abraham is going to come through. Who knows? But I'm feeling really good about myself. And so she begins to treat her, her master poorly. She's got a lot of pride going on. She's not acting right. And so obviously Sarah's not having it. So Sarah sends her away. She treats her poorly. So we've got Hagar who's run away who's pregnant, she's going to be a single mom, and she's run away into the desert. It's not like 2022 this happened, and there's a hotel on every corner, and there's resources that you can go and find to get help when you need it. This is thousands of years ago, and they're in the desert. And so she runs off to the middle of nowhere in the desert. And then we pick up here in verse 7, and here's where we need to get to, these next few verses. Verse 7 says this, The angel of the Lord found Hagar, beside a spring of water in the wilderness along the road to Shur. And the angel said to her, Hagar, Sarah's servant, where have you come from and where are you going? First thing, I want to pause right here. I want to tell you this because this is very interesting. The angel of the Lord, we know the angel of the Lord. When the angel of the Lord shows up, it is the pre-incarnate Jesus. It is Jesus Christ showing up before he came down to earth. And here, the angel of the Lord. Here's what's great about this. In our Bible... In the book of Genesis, from the very beginning, this is the first time 
that Jesus shows up. The angel of the Lord shows up to somebody. And who is he showing up to? He's not showing up to Noah. He's not showing up to Abram yet. He's not showing up to Adam and Eve in that way. That was God that walked in the wilderness, in the, in the cool of the garden. This is the angel of the Lord. And who does he show up to? He shows up to a single mom who's got pride in her life, who's got booted out, who's out in the desert all on her own. And the angel of the Lord shows up to her. Now, to me, that's very interesting. When we see the angel of the Lord shows up, who he chooses to show up to for the first time. And he comes out there in the middle of the wilderness. He finds this little girl all by herself, all by her lonesome. She's not sure where she's going to go. She's not sure what she's going to do. And he shows up in the midst of that desert to help her sort out her life's problems. Maybe you feel like God has turned his eyes away from you. Maybe you feel like you are all alone in whatever you're going through, whatever you're dealing with. Maybe you're not sure how to live your life. Maybe you're not sure where to go. Maybe you are sitting by a well at the side of the road, unsure of the next steps of what you're supposed to take and the life that you are living and the world you're in looks devastating at that moment. I want to tell you, I want to remind you this morning that God shows up in the middle of those circumstances. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to have your life all figured out because he asks her, Where are you going? Where have you come from and where are you going? He knows she doesn't know where she's going. He knows her life is not all put together. But in the middle of that mess is when God shows up. I'm running away from my mistress, she says. Then the angel of the Lord says to her, return to your mistress and submit to her authority. Then he added, I will give you more descendants than you can count. And the angel also said, you are now pregnant and I will give birth, you will give birth to a son. You are to name him Ishmael, which means God hears. For the Lord has heard your cry of distress. This is also the first time in the word of God where somebody is named in the word of God before they're born. And what is that name? God hears you. God hears you in your distress, when you're crying out, when you're lost and you're lonely and you're sitting in the dark and you are just crying out because life is falling apart. God hears you. He says, you're pregnant, you're going to have a kid and you're going to name this kid Ishmael because I want you to remember that God hears you in the middle of your messes, in the middle of your situation, in the middle of whatever it is you're going through, God hears you. This son of yours will be a wild man. As untamed, this is what everybody wants to hear when they're talking about their unborn child. This son of yours, by the way, this son of yours is going to be a wild man. As untamed as a wild donkey, he will raise his fist against everyone and everyone will be against him. That's great. Can't wait for that kid to be born. (laughs) Yes, he will live in open hostility against all his relatives. Yeah, that's that's encouraging. Great, can't wait. How many months left? (laughs) Therefore, Hagar used another name to refer to the Lord who had spoken to her. She said, you are the God who sees me. In the New King James, it tells us that name is El Roy, the God who sees. Guys, I want to tell you today that we're looking at a story right here 
of a woman whose life was literally falling apart. She had nowhere to go. She didn't know where to go. She didn't know what to do. She was getting ready to have a kid. And the Lord shows up in the middle of that mess and says, I want you to name your kid this because I hear you. And I want you to remember that I hear you. I am the God who hears you. And she says, not, are you, not only are you the God who hears me, but you're the God who sees me. God sees you. He's looking at you like my weird dog. <laughs> He's making eye contact with you. He is thinking about you. His thoughts are towards you. God cares about you. And the great thing about the Lord is that he cares about all of us. There's not, listen, Jacob is not God's more favorite than I am. Jen is not God's more favorite. That's terrible grammar. I know it. But there's nobody that God cares more about than another person. He is staring at each and every one of us. And in each and every one of our lives, he wants to be the God who hears. And he wants to be the God who sees. He wants to show himself strong to you and support you in all you're going through and all you're dealing with as you walk through life. Does anybody ever have a hard time in life? Put up your hands if you have a hard time. And then everybody look around. Look it. Put them up really high. Because I, I want to see who doesn't have hard hands up there. Okay. I think everybody has their hands up. You know, the Lord wants to, in our lives, be the God who sees you and the God who hears you and the God who comes down to you in the middle of your messes, in the middle of your fights, in the middle of your frustrations, in the middle of your hurts, in the middle of your confusions, in the middle of your crying out in the dark of night. He wants to be the God who comes down to you and gives you a way through and a way out. Listen, he doesn't just show up to Hagar and say, wow, man, that's a terrible story. I don't know what you're going to do about it. Real bummer to be you right now. I could be your midwife for you, I guess. I don't know. I know how this baby thing works. I could probably help a little bit. He shows up and he gives her instructions. And he says, here's what you're going to do. You're going to go back home. You're going to submit to your authority. And then you're going to have this kid. And you're going to call this kid God hears. Why are you going to call this kid God hears? Because I want you to remember that I hear your voice. And then she goes on and says, you're not only the God who hears me, but you're the God who sees me. And if I've learned anything, pastoring and going through life and being alive in 2022, is that people really want to be both seen and heard. When you're spending time with somebody, when you're talking to somebody, you want them to hear. You want them to hear what you're saying. You want them to see you. Like, do you even see me? I'm standing here, we're having a conversation. Do you even see me, or are you just talking about your own problems? People want to be seen and heard, and we have a God who both sees and hears you. Second Chronicles 16, we just read it, talks about how his eyes are searching to show himself strong on your behalf. God wants to work in your life. You know, God's eyes were on Noah when he was the only righteous man on the planet. God's eyes were on Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when they were in the fire. And guess who showed up in that fire? Jesus. God's eyes were on Daniel when he was in the lion's den. And what did he do? 
He went down and shut the mouths of the lions so they didn't gobble Daniel up. You can find story after story, and I don't even like using the word story because it brings fictitious account thoughts to mind. But you can find account and account through the word of God of people who God's eyes were upon, who God was watching, who God was listening to as they cried out to him and he worked and he moved on their behalf. And the great thing is, the great thing about our Lord and Savior is that if he did it for anybody else, he will do it for you. You can find any story in this Bible and say, well, if you did it then, you will do it again. If he did it for that person, then he can do it for me. God's not going to leave me high and dry. He's not going to leave me alone in my mess. He's not going to forget about me. He's not going to say, well, that's a mess that you made, and you're going to have to walk through all by yourself, and when you get through on the other side, then I'll help you. He's not going to say that to you. God's going to show up in the middle of that situation and say, I am here to walk through this with you. I'm going to work it through with you, and I'm going to bring you through to the other side better than you ever could have imagined on your own. That's the God that we serve. Stand up with me. You know, in, in the Gospels, in the Gospels, Matthew chapter 28, verse 20, in that Gospel, some of the last words that Jesus says when he's telling the disciples to go out into all the world and to perform signs and wonders in his name and to lay hands on the sick and to baptize people, he makes this statement. He says, I am with you to the ends of the age. We serve a God that is always with you, that is always staring at you. His eyes are always upon you. And we have it stuck in our heads sometimes that his eyes are watching us to judge us, to trick us, to catch us when we make a mistake. But his eyes are on you like any good parent's eyes are on their kid. Where you're watching to make sure they're safe and they're protected and they have all they need. How many parents do we have in the room? You've got your kids, and I remember, I remember going all kinds of different places with my kids. And I'll tell you, there was hardly a time where my eyes were not in some way turned towards my kids to make sure they had what they needed. Not so I could catch them making a mistake. Ha ha, I knew it! You lied when I wasn't looking. You did what you weren't supposed to do. I turned my back for 10 seconds and you made a mistake. You messed up. Oh, you are done for. Done. But my eyes were on them. My ears were always turned towards them. I was always listening for the sound of my kids' voices. If they cried out and needed help, they needed me. I was always watching to see if they were going to step into something, step into some kind of trouble, step into some kind of mess that I could help them avoid, that I could keep them away from. We serve a God who's always listening to you, who's always staring at you, who's always thinking about you. 
And I don't know about you, but that's incredibly comforting to me to know somebody cares so much about me that they're always watching, they're always listening. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you in this place for your presence, for your spirit. Thank you, Jesus. God, we thank you that your ears are always thank turned you, towards us. God, we thank you that you are thank you, El Roy, thank the God you, who sees us, who sees our lives, who sees where we're at, and you come down and you meet us. You meet us in the middle of those circumstances. Father, we're so thankful that when you come down, that you come down with a plan, that you come down with a purpose, that you come down with a way through and a way out. God, today we are so thankful that you are, have your heart turned towards us. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you are drawn closer to Jesus and that his spirit, his love, and his life are filling you right now. If you'd like more info about who we are and what we're doing at Hope City, head over to hopecitychurch.ca to find out more. And if you liked what you heard, head over to iTunes and rate the podcast to spread the word so others can hear too. And oh, one more thing before we go. We just want to remind you that you were made for hope.